Hello, I'm Kirsty Boggle, and welcome to a special Project Bijou edition of the Data Protection Tea Break podcast. Project Bijou is a social initiative we launched in the bailiwick of Guernsey in May 2021. With this project, we're encouraging everyone to share stories, knowledge and experiences relating to ethical data use in a way that benefits everyone. The project aims to support and nurture positive cultural change around how people and organisations treat people's data. We hope to engage people on a cultural level, a level that goes beyond the law. In this episode, I'm joined by Annabelle Nicholas, Head of Midwifery and Paediatrics for HSC in Guernsey, and Matt Loring, Data Protection Officer for Health and Social Care. Annabelle led a period of significant change and improvement in the island's maternity services. What she achieved ties in perfectly with Project Bijou as it's all about shifting cultures and behaviours for the better. If you're listening and wondering how to engage your own teams in adopting positive changes, this is an opportunity to learn from her experience or just pick up some great tips from someone who has done just that. And of course, she was supported along the way by Matt. So both of you, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, Annabelle, if you don't mind, I'll start with you. If you could just begin by telling me a bit about yourself and your background and how you came to be in Guernsey. Um, so I've been a registered nurse midwife for a long time now um, and I met the people from Guernsey at a national conference in the UK um, was subsequently invited for an interview, um, came for a lovely day out in Guernsey and um, we then got offered the job. Um, I'd been in my old role for sort of 22 years at that point um, and I'm not a natural risk taker um, but we came on holiday to see what we would think of Guernsey and drove back up thinking why not um, and it's been the best move for me and my husband we absolutely love it. So obviously you're here to do a very important job and you've already achieved great things um, can you just tell me a bit about what that was you were needed to do this cultural change that you had to bring about? Um, Yes, so um, we've been in Guernsey for four and a half years now and I've been in my current role for two years. So we came just after a period um, that had been really challenging for the maternity services. Um, So it was really my job to try and um, enable the culture to be much more comfortable. When I first arrived there was sort of tangible fear really about what the staff had been through, what the service had been through, how the service users perceived the service um, to be unsafe perhaps at times. Um, So I've worked really hard to be visible, approachable, um, open and honest, um, available to service users and staff um, and to the rest of the hospital really. So it's very much about everybody involved in the whole department, so the staff working there and the people coming and accessing the services. Absolutely. So Matt, you must have had a very important role to play in helping you know, Annabelle and her team achieve this. Yeah, I mean what I'd say is um, from a kind of data protection officer side of things, health and social care is obviously, you know, it's a, it's a huge, huge service area and the breadth of services that's offered is, is massive. So my reliance on you know people like Annabelle to to you know when it comes to cultural changes including things like data protection is to sort of um, feed that out to all the staff and my role is to provide that sort of general advice and training and those kind of things but it really is key for for service leads and team leads like Annabelle to to make it happen within their teams basically so yeah it's vitally important that relationship there. Because one of the challenges uh, for you particularly with when you're dealing with health and you're dealing with patients and medical data and procedures is that 
difficulty in tying the data side together with the medical side? How have you managed that? So, yeah, we as a, as a health professional, it's really embedded in your day-to-day -day life, maintaining confidentiality and maintaining records about people um, in all sorts of ways, I think. So from, from the moment you get to work and you do the clinical handover, um, and then for me in my role, I'm also looking at staff data, a lot of staff data all day. Um, we have safeguarding also to be conscious of um, with both adults and children. Um, and sometimes that's a challenge with data protection. We've also had in recent years the change in the data protection laws, um, which has been quite new. Um, I think there's definitely been a, sh a cultural shift. Um, so certainly, whereas historically years ago, people would share logins and things, that just doesn't happen anymore. People are much more conscious of, of those issues. And with regard to understanding, you know, that when they are carrying out something medical and then they're recording it, that is processing somebody's personal data. Do you think that's sunk in now? People understand what they're doing and how that is data processing? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and so I've, I've personally been doing data protection for three or four years and, and only health and social care for, for just over a year now. But from, from when I started, it quickly became apparent to me that, you know, there was a good understanding, though, in, in from health and social care staff about privacy issues, and you know, there's there's um, um, uh, Dame Mary Mary Caldecott, Caldecott principles that have been in place for for a long time, and those basically mirror data protection, um, and that's something that all the healthcare professionals are aware of and work to. So that sort of um, you know privacy and people's people's um, personal data it's at the forefront of what healthcare staff do, and I was sort of sort of pleasantly surprised when I came in that how much staff were already aware um, obviously our, our team's only a few years old the data protection team and came in in line with the new new legislation but um, like I said it's it's I've been pleasantly surprised with with the staff and how much they already you know use use that those principles in their everyday work so um, but yeah so so you've done what we're talking about in Project Bijou you've brought about this shift in cultural change how did you do that like what were the key things you think that people need to bear in mind um, as, a, as a leader, I think, as I've said, you need to be visible and, and approachable to all your staff and service users in, in healthcare. Lead by example um, is one thing that I'd say. Don't be afraid to ask if you don't know. Um, I, I definitely don't, <laughs> wouldn't say that um, I know everything, but I'm, I, you know, I like to get out and meet people. So. Um, Rather than just working in a silo in women's and children's services, I want to be part of the wider hospital community, the wider HSC community, um, and engaging with other committees apart from just HSC. That must be a challenge as well, because obviously you are part, both of you, of this big machine of government. So what are the particular challenges, do you think, in working in such a large organisation? Um, working in such a large organisation, it's very easy I think to just stay in your small comfortable bit and not leave your comfort zone um, but I sort of made an active effort I suppose to try and understand how Guernsey works because it's so different from the UK so um, I did a course at the College of FE so that I would be um, linking with people who worked for other states committees so for example fire Brexit GBA there was lots of people there so I networked in that respect um, if I need to speak to somebody, I tend to try and do it in person so that I get to know people. Um, 
and really embrace that whole sort of small island culture and small island community. So that networking is really important, that being able to engage with other people and, and get them involved. How important do you think it is as well that they that they are actually listening and engaging and um, willing to take on you know positive change? Um, well, it's really important, and you know it, it's difficult in such a big organisation as you were saying. So, for example, at the moment, in one of our key data things is we're trying to buy an electronic patient record, which Matt will be involved with as well. Um, and it's difficult because it's a huge project but um, for the whole organisation, but my needs in women's and children's services are very different to mental health needs, which will be different to adult community needs, what we need from that um, procurement and from that whatever it is that we buy for the electronic patient record. But, and it just feels, for some people, they think it's happening too quickly for me. Um, I just think it's something that we really need because um, the way of the world now is electronic communication. Um, definitely, you know, we in our home lives we communicate by email and text a lot. In the health services, we're still sending letters out and making phone calls, and sometimes and we just even though COVID is um, really forced a revolution, hasn't it, in terms of the way we communicate? Um, you know, we just need to keep on with that and that must be challenging as well to drive there is a, a natural inertia in a way to change isn't there and uh, so that must be challenging how how have you helped each other you know manage that yeah I mean I'll just uh, voice the same as what I was saying before I mean technology with technology specifically um, we, we can't get left behind as you know and, and it's so important in a healthcare setting to make sure that everything is you know up to date and up to scratch but in that, obviously, there's there's we've got to be mindful from of the data protection side of things as well. Um, so that's where you know it's important for us to work together because um, you know the professionals have the knowledge about what's required from a clinical perspective and very hands-on perspective. Um, I guess my role is providing that governance side of things to t- and cross you know cross the teeth, dot the eyes from a data protection law side of things. So that's where that relationship you know is is it works well. I think is is required. It's obviously very important as well that everyone involved cares about achieving a positive outcome and cares about the people because this is people's data and the data protection is all about people. Uh, you know, has that been a challenge or has that been quite easy to engage people? Yeah, yeah, the, I think. The, yeah, I think it is. I think it's making things meaningful, especially to the staff on the sh- on the shop floor. It's sometimes that's a difficulty translating things that are happening at a strategic level into something that means something to the people who are directly providing the care. Yeah, so that's really where it matters, isn't it? Because if we're going to affect a sh- cultural change, it's the people on the shop floor that need to come along yes. with you on the journey. So, you know, just tell me about how you've managed to bring them with you. Um. I think really, as I've said, by being sort of approachable, um, available, <laughs> um, you know, my door is always open. Um, I visit the clinical areas numerous times on a daily basis. Um, it must be difficult though for people if you know they want to engage and they want to be part of it. There is always that little bit of fear, isn't there, about you know they're sticking your head above the parapet. Uh, I mean, have has that been a difficulty as well? Um, no, I've got quite a few senior managers, particularly in the maternity service, who, who have really blossomed in the past couple of years and flourished, um, I think, and hopefully I've been able to give them the confidence to do that. 
So you've provided a safe space for yes. them to learn and to, you know, to bring about that change. Yes. Uh, what advice would you give to other people then who are listening, thinking, like, this is what I want to do in my organisation? How do you, you know, because you change things so radically, you've created a safe space now where people felt fearful, like you said before. Um, what advice would you give to them? Um, t- to not be afraid, really, um, and it's just making small steps in the right direction all the time. Um, if possible, get yourself some quick wins. <laughs> um, that always helps to get people on side. Um, we've we've got a service user group, um, and you know, a few years ago, that relationship was certainly slightly difficult, um, but now it's become especially. Um, with COVID much more meaningful and functional actually because we've been able to share um, information about why we're doing what we're doing um, in terms of some of the challenges it's, um, it's, it's had for particularly maternity services um, but I think yeah just small steps all the time. And obviously um, good data governance is key in helping to bring about all these things so um, how does the good data protection policies and procedures help bring about that good um, medical care and the overall you know, holistic view of the whole thing yeah I mean they work hand in hand because and that's why that's why I think when I said before about being pleasantly surprised when I come in that you know healthcare professionals have got a good understanding good a grip of this um, but data protection comes from human rights legislation um, so you know people healthcare professionals they, they are in a role which is providing care for people um, so you can see how you know they, they, that that sort of that link is there, and that why people get it so much. Um, but it's it is vitally important, and it's it's all about the end user and the service user. They come into a, a setting which, you know, they they might be vulnerable. That there's, you know, they're 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 potentially anxious about the reason that they're there. So focusing on you know them and their outcome is vital, and that that includes you know that includes data protection, and they want to be confident that. Their, their data is being used, held appropriately, um, and, and that their privacy is being maintained. Um, so it's, it's, it works hand in hand, and I, I think there's a good balance that's being struck. Obviously, there's areas that can improve, as you know, as, as there, there, will, there will be in any sort of control or in any organisation, but there is a good balance that I feel that's been struck at the moment. So. And for you as well, I suppose, because your position um, as the Data Protection Officer for Health and Social Care, you're, you knew already it's very much about people because people are the main service users. I mean, how can you take what you've learned from working in this area to your, the other DPOs at the, in the States of Guernsey? You must have some really important things that you've picked up that you can pass on. And yeah, yeah, I think um, for, for my, I guess for my particular role, um, it's similar to what Annabelle was saying before about you know making sure that you're available to, to staff and and to, to service users alike. Um, you know, having that open dialogue and that really really helps. Um, to, you know, for, again for service users and staff staff you know alike. Um, you know, to, to give best outcomes for service users and that's what we're there to do. That's what HSC is there to do, um, and that's what we want from the protection side of things as well. And you know, pe- people. I want to have that confidence in, especially when you're talking about government institutes. Um, they want to have that confidence in it. So, 
the, yeah, the best thing I think I've learned is open dialogue, communication and transparency, um, which is what we are striving to do within government, you know, be as open and transparent with our islanders as we possibly can to give the greatest amount of confidence that we're doing everything we can to make sure that their data is being used in the correct way. I mean, obviously you've worked very closely together. I mean, do you think the attitude towards data protection has changed a lot and also towards, you know, working in data protection? Because it's by no means dull or, or not interesting. I mean, it, you know, you must have experienced that from both of you. Yeah. I don't know, like Annabelle, has your, obviously you're already very aware of data protection, but has this changed things for you in any way? Um, I think, yeah, and I think doing this today, one of the things that it's um, made me more aware of when I was thinking about it is that for registered health professionals, it's it's embedded in in what we do. It's in, you know, it's integral to what we do all day every day. But I'm not quite sure that we place enough emphasis on it sometimes for unregistered professionals coming into the health service. Um, you know, especially with the culture of social media, people are often sort of oversharing information about themselves and I've, I'll take away from today that I think we hopefully and Matt agrees that we need to place more of an emphasis on training for those people because otherwise we can unwittingly put them in a vulnerable position mm. if then if you know if, if we're not if they're not mindful enough of data protection. Yeah, that's a very good point. And also for the people using your services yes. to perhaps try and make them aware of the things they should and shouldn't share. Um, and what about Project Bijou and what we're trying to do? How do you feel about the project itself? Yeah, yeah, I think it's fantastic. It's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity um, for people like myself and Alan to come in and just and, and sort of voice our opinions on, on and, and really try and get across uh, you know how, how much importance um, is placed within a, a clinical HSC setting on people's people's data, and that you know they're there for a specific purpose, which is which is mainly from a clinical perspective. But we it is at the forefront of our minds as to how we're using their data and make sure that you know that they they have can have the utmost of, of confidence. So this is so it's fantastic to give us the opportunity to to really try and get that across to uh, of how of how much importance we place on on their data and their outcomes. So. Mm. Annabelle, what do you think about this effort we're beginning to try to change, you know, not just in settings like yours, but everywhere? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good initiative um, and I hope people really embrace it. Um, for us in healthcare, as Matt said, you know, we just, I think if we keep the service user at the heart of everything we do and, you know, focus on good outcomes and continuous improvement, we can't go far wrong. Mm. Thank you. I mean, that's what our chair says, you know, very much data protection is people protection. I think that's right, isn't it? If we all remember the people at the heart of it, it does help put it into perspective. Um, Annabelle and Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting to hear what you've achieved and how you've done that. And I'm sure everyone listening is very grateful for all your insights and experience and hopefully they can then carry those over into their own areas of work. And thank you for listening to this special edition of the podcast. Don't forget to check out our other episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. And for a full list, go to our website, odpa.gg forward slash podcasts. For more information on Project Bijou and how you can join in and take part, head to our website, odpa.gg slash bijou, or listen to one of our other special edition Project Bijou podcasts. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.